And in Holy Trinity, we've been going a long way back to the book of Isaiah, which is the passage that, two passages that have just been read there, almost 700 years back to prepare us for the coming of Christ. Um, I know with my two little girls, 24 days on an Advent calendar feels a long time. This has been 700 years in the making plus. <laughs> but why do we need this preparation? Why do we need this journey for Christmas? Well, for Christmas is what, what I see as the, one of the most mysterious and astounding events in all of human history. That it's the ultimate divine conspiracy. That God, how big is your God? The God, the infinite source of all that is, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-pervasive, uncreated, uncaused, the ground of all beings, the being of all beings, this God became human, became flesh, and moved into our neighborhood. And this is a mysterious truth, a truth that needs our time, our humility, and our patience to let this percolate into our being. It needs to be seasoned over time, or like a good whiskey, it needs to take time for it to really get that essence needs to come into our being, this mysterious and strange truth. I had my uh, uh, work Christmas party on Friday night, and some of us wanted to bring the annoying cheap plastic gifts for Christmas. We had an eco-warrior in our team that didn't want to do that, so she decided we'd all have to bring poems. Uh, other people still brought stuff. Even someone brought a, a dehumidifier, which is a bit strange. Um, but we brought poems, and we all had to bring some poems to read out. And this is a poem that I brought out, and I think it talks about this mystery that needs to take time. It's a famous Emily Dickinson poem. I'll read it out to you. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight. The truth's superb surprise, as lightning to the children's eased with explanation kind. The truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. Albert Einstein once said that the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. But in this technological age that Google has the answer for everything, I don't know how many conversations we're talking about this person or that person, and we get out the Google has an answer to everything. How comfortable are we in the mystery of incarnation? How comfortable are we in mystery in general in not knowing things? Do we think this is all a bit untrue because it feels unreasonable to believe it? Or maybe we don't believe because we haven't allowed this mystery to become true for us, giving it that time and patience to let it dazzle us gradually over time. I think if we can surrender our egos, something beyond the rational begins to be revealed in us. We can sing these carols and say, on one level, I don't really understand this, but on another level, there's something in my heart that sort of seems to respond to this. It can bring a peace and joy and a transformation. It can bring a con uh, freedom and not a constriction that can't be fully expressed in words. But what is this mystery? What is the meaning of this mystery? We hear about this child coming to earth and it's really interesting, I begin to reflect that there's two names that are given to this child. One, we know it's Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And the promise is that he would save the earth from their sins, from our sins, from our brokenness. 
But as one preacher once said, we can be saved from something, but are we saved for something? And the second name that this child has been called is Emmanuel, which means God with us. We are saved to be with God, just like in the passage in Genesis, it alluded to this idea that at one stage humanity walked with God. Humanity was with God, and God was with them. And this promise is that Emmanuel, God with us, was that we are saved for a reason. We are saved for a relationship. So Isaiah chapter 7 said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. John 1 says, the word became flesh, this ultimate divine image. And Colossians says, he's the image of the invisible God. For God was pleased to dwell all his fullness of God into human form. What great mystery. But why become human? Why did God need to do this? Why did the triune God need to surrender this magnificence, this infinite, into the finite? Why did he have to do this? He did this to be with us at a most intimate level. What I think about this is I think of as a parent and a child. Often my girls want to be with me, but the way they want to be with me is that I've got to play Barbies with them, got to play Lego with them, um, got to watch Peppa Pig with them. Um, but I want to be with them. I want to bring them to watch a rugby game with me or go for a six-hour hike or to, to prepare for a sermon together, but they don't want to do that. <laughs> so I have had to learn to come down to their level to be with them. And I remember when Lena was quite young, our, our four-year-old coming in the door, she was about two, and Rob was there greeting us. And Rob literally went down on one knee and in, to be with Lena and to say, how are you doing, Lena? And you can see that with parents or adults who are good with children. They do see that. They seem to bend down to be with them, to talk with them, to have their eye to eye. And that's exactly what God did. That is exactly what the story of Christmas is. That God bows down to us to be with us. I think at the story of the wise men, they're bowing down, the shepherds are bowing down. But really fundamentally to start, God bows down to us. He bends to our world. He bends down to our lives, to our pains, to our brokenness. He does it all to be with us. So God longs to be with us. He is with us, but are we with him? Henri Nguyen, a famous Catholic priest, once wrote this. Everything and everyone around us wants to fill up every bit of space in our lives. I can relate to that. And some make us not only occupied people, but preoccupied people as well. When we permit the world to pack our minds and our hearts with countless things to look at, to listen to, to read about, and countless people to visit, to write to, to talk to and worry about, how do we focus? How do we find the space to be with God? And with all these busyness, he says, we can begin to forget that God is present in this world. We forget that God is with us. So he suggests that we need to intentionally make decisions to be with God in prayer. And I love the story of the, the men from the east, the Magi and the shepherds. They, they had to leave a lot behind. The Magi had to probably take months out of their time to leave family, all that was familiar, to go to a strange land, a land that was probably hostile to them. They gave it all up to seek out this one that says, here am I, I'm with you, God is with you. 
the shepherds, their livelihood, their sheep, they had to leave them behind or make, um, make some decisions or make plans so they could come and be with him. So as the Magi, as the shepherds, are we able to make that time and space to be with God in this Christmas busy period? This God that says, Emmanuel, I am with you. This God who bends down to us. Can we accept his gaze? Not of some authority, strong figure giving out to us, but one who bends down to meet us face to face. So this Christmas and beyond, may this truth of Emmanuel, God with us, dazzle us, dazzle you, but perhaps gradually, so we don't become blind and indifferent to the truth that God is with us.